You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to getlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Guys, AntUSA.com was launched to help retailers manage SKUs and inventory back in 1993 as an agency. He launched the SaaS platform, just to call it uh, 2019, now today doing $200,000 a month in revenue, of which 160000 of that is true recurring. The other sort of one-time services that turn into recurring over time. He's serving 80 customers to help them manage, again, their inventory. There are thousands of SKUs. There are millions of different combinations to make sure that they can keep making money like he's doing. He's profiting, call it, Fifty-ish thousand dollars per month in revenue, completely bootstrapped with a team of sixteen. Got a great war chest, six hundred thousand cash in the bank, and his total expenses every month is just one hundred and fifty thousand bucks, much less than his revenue. This is the kind of founder we love. Hey, folks! My guest today is Dimitri Goikman. He is a Queens College MIT course six. Started his company in nineteen ninety-two for freedom and profit, which we love. He's bootstrapped, never took outside capital. Still work for a living is very hands-on. He's now building AntUSA.com, which is merchandise planning for retail chains. Dimitri, you ready to take us to the top? Sure. Let's, All right. Let's now, now, how did you get into this space? Were you running a retail chain, a grocery store before? No, I was uh, I was uh, a geek, basically. And, you know, software development, electrical engineering seemed like real work. So I kind of slid into... Uh, consulting for large retailers i used to work for digital equipment which then was like the size of ibm and they had a lot of big accounts and uh, so i started doing that and then at some point i decided to jump off the career ladder and do my own thing and you know basically slid into it sideways it seemed like an easy way to make some money so what year did you write the first line of code for ant i think i wrote the first prototype in 93 but it was in uh it was for a custom system for a company called Wacomo Pottery. They sold a lot of Mikasa and, you know, Lion King blankets in, in North Carolina and uh, uh, sizable then. And then mm-hmm. they sort of, you know, five years later, we decided that uh, it was worth, uh, uh, you know, doing a product. At the time, there weren't any planning systems on PCs. It was all mainframes. Okay, so you get going in 1993. Now, was it software as a service back then? That would have been very early for SaaS. No, no, no. no. It was uh, it was all uh, traditional sort of, you know, first custom development, then systems development, client server. We became software as a service really over the last three or four years, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, because the clients wanted to go that way and because they wanted to stabilize the cash flow on a subscription basis rather than on a project basis. You know, projects, mm-hmm. it's, you know, starve or eat, right? Uh, SaaS has been much, much, much better for us. And I think that's definitely the way we're staying. Okay, so you, you okay, so that, that's helpful context. I guess before we dive deep into the backstory here, w- tell us an example of a customer that pays you today and what they're paying for. Uh, so we have, we, we have basically retail chain customers, you know, the, the, Better known ones might be like Puma or Zoomies, but there are, you know, there are, you know, lots of smaller ones. There are bigger ones that are uh, privately held. Uh, what they pay us is 
to give them a, you know, a, a, usually it's a large database with a lot of sophisticated sort of vertical KPIs. Retailers happen to plan their inventory better than any other industry that I know of, because if they don't buy, they go out of business, they don't have anything to sell. And there are literally billions of combinations of product stores over time. So we try to simplify all that. Uh, and over the years, we've developed some pretty effective business processes to help them with. And what so, Dimitri, they- what does a company like Pumi, don't tell them specifically, but on average, what's a customer paying you per month or per year to use your technology? Uh, not about Puma, but you know, on the average, it's from a thousand to five thousand a month is what we what we charge. Okay, so would you say like maybe three thousand a month is a fair average? Let's say let's say three grand a month, and then okay. we charge something like thirty to fifty thousand dollars to stand them up. Basically, data integration, you know, services. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that make that makes sense. So if I'm paying you thirty six thousand dollars per year, so three thousand a month plus then a thirty k setup fee on top of that. How do you price that? Is it based off number of SKUs, number of inventory calls, API calls? How do you price? No, we 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 price per seat, and it's usually a small number of very high value users. And you know the the ROI on our product can be as high as a hundred x, not a hundred percent. So how many seats? How many seats do I am I probably paying for if I'm paying you thirty six grand a year? You might buy a couple of seats. You might buy ten seats. You might buy twenty seats. You know, depending on on the uh, on the buyer and planner team that that, that you're running, but okay. yeah, it's a fairly small number of high value u- viewers, uh, users, right? So a planner could be planning as much as a hundred million dollars worth of business and buying as much as twenty, thirty million dollars worth of inventory over the course of the year, and we help them optimize in effect, you know, planning and buying, which you know is worth a lot of money. And it sounds like you went from services and consulting to more pure SaaS about three, four years ago in 2019, 2020 timeframe. Fast forward to today, how many customers do you have on your SaaS platform? Um, I have about 80 customers on, uh, you know, 80, 80 enterprise customers. We're picking up customers fairly quickly now. Those are 80 paying, eight zero paying enterprise customers. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. I mean, if I'm doing my math right, 80 customers times 3,000 a month, what are you doing? 240,000 bucks a month in revenue? Not everybody pays three thousand, right? And some of our customers are actually we move we move them to the SaaS model, but we still charge them, you know, old style maintenance, which which actually comes out to less. We never drop a customer. Okay, so, but then your average customer though isn't paying three grand a month like we just talked about. They're average, paying less. Average, average pure SaaS customers paying about that. Okay. But the legacy customers are you know typically paying less, but they've been with us for many years, so. Some cost is very profitable for us. So, okay, right. So yeah, we 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 you know we're upwards of uh, two to three million dollars now. You know, somewhere. Two hundred thirty. You're doing two hundred thirty thousand a month. Yeah, well, about two hundred a month, right? Two hundred. Well, congratulations. That's great. And give me a sense of how how large was your services business before you launched SaaS in 2019. It was larger. Um, I would say that probably 40 percent of our revenue was in these implementations and services. Now, you know, given given an opportunity, I would drive it to zero. Now, it's mm-hmm. never going to go to zero, but it's maybe, you know, maybe 10, 15% now. I think mm-hmm. probably 85% of our, uh, of our revenue is recurring services, recurring billing. And my goal is... 80% is recurring. 80, 85 now, you know, I'd have to look it up. I haven't looked it okay. up. But the two hundred thousand dollars a month number you just gave me—that's pure recurring, right? 
No, that's everything. Oh, that's all. Okay, so eighty percent of that is recurring, right? So, so one hundred sixty thousand. There are forty forty thousand is like one time service stuff. Right, but what happens is they come back to us anyway. So even the one time service stuff, when you get well organized, they come back to you. They need more training. You bill them by you know for the sessions. They need enhancements. You bill them for that. So it's it's fairly predictable business flow. Yep. Even though it's not, you know, even though it's not a quarterly invoice. And Dimitri, if you're at 200,000 a month today on average, where were you exactly one year ago? So we can calculate a growth rate. Uh, I was less than two. So, well, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're doing really well. I think we're, we're about 20% above last year. Okay. So maybe you're doing about 160,000 a month, uh, about a year ago. And then 60, 180, depending on months. Yeah. Okay. And so how are you driving this growth? Tell me about how you get new customers. Uh, well, there's a couple of things that are going on. Uh, I, you know, I joined uh, SAS Academy, Dan, Dan Martel's SAS Academy, right? And it's been basically learning all the stuff I didn't learn over the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. So that's been very helpful in terms of focusing the effort and, uh, and, and the scale and looking for, you know, uh, ideal customer profile. Uh, it's good, right? I'm going to write, I'm going to write up a big story on this interview. Do I have your permission to post that yeah, in the Facebook, yeah, yeah, the yeah, SAS yeah. Academy group? Yeah, you should. I mean, they're, okay. great, they're great guys. And, you know, I got to, I got to tell you that I've always worked, you know, I kind of built this in isolation. There was nobody to ask. There's no podcasts like yours to watch. There was no SAS Academy. You know, I learned the words like invoice, you know, when the customer said, yeah, the, the customer said, send me an invoice. I'm like, what's an invoice? Right? <laughs> so, so uh, you know, the ability to be able to ask and to triangulate and to see what other people are doing and where, where I fall, um, you know, in like, I've always thought that everybody does things this way, right? But, um, you know, I built this business. I, I was thinking about this, you know, before a podcast. If, if, if you give me a couple of minutes, I can tell you a little bit, right? I built it for resilience to a large extent rather than for growth, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, when you do this for years, you learn a few lessons. One is that everybody dies. And I don't mean personally. I mean, every business dies. It was the year 2000 when nobody bought anything. It was the year 2008 when nobody bought anything. There was the pandemic where for a couple of months, nobody paid any invoices, you know, so you end, you, you end up going through these existential crises and unless you can survive a crisis, you're done. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I kind of thought about it and, you know, uh, in, in retrospect, I built this company, first of all, for resilience, right? Because, you know, if you're, if you're funded by risk capital, it's somebody else's money at risk. You go on, you fail someplace else or you succeed someplace else. I didn't want to fail. So I failed sequentially in the same place, but I got reborn. Now, but, but you launched in 1993. Were you the sole founder? Do you own 100%? I, I had a, I had a co-owner and I bought her out, you know, uh, about 15 years ago. Oh, well, so, tell me more about that. There's a lot of people listening with co-founders that, you know, maybe things have changed. They want to buy them out, but they don't know how to do it. How'd you do it? I had a, a long, difficult negotiation and then eventually just, uh, uh, you know, we went for a business valuation and they, and, uh, and they gave us a valuation and then I, I paid. What was the valuation? It wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't a lot at the time. It was pre. Like well, a million? Not even, I think. No, it's five, six hundred grand. It wasn't okay. Good. The idea was like, if the founder isn't in it, what's the business worth? Very little. So you got a valuation. This is in 2005. You bought out your co-founder. You got a valuation for 600K. Then what? Then I paid, a, I don't know. I paid a, like, a, I don't know, 120, 150 or 200 grand. 
in cash. Honestly, I don't remember. And then the rest, you know, over time. Well, how'd you negotiate that? Uh, like why 120, why 150 cash up front? I don't remember. You know, I, I, I can make it up, but I don't remember. It's well, like, did she own a percent of the company? And then the percent of that against 600,000 valuation is how you yeah, got yeah, to the payout? Yeah, we were half and half. And half. Okay, so she was 50%. Okay. Right. But, Interesting. You know, and, uh, you know, but it worked out. We're, we're great friends. And, uh, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no like bad blood. I, you know, I don't think I'm in conflict with anybody. I have been in conflict with anybody. Well, I like that you bet on yourself, right? A 500,000, 600,000 valuation. If you paid 300K to buy out your 50% co-founder 15 years ago, and now you're doing 2.4 million annually, I'd say it's fair to say you're worth more than $600,000 today. So I like that you bet on yourself. I'm probably worth more, but, uh, that's not what's driving me, right? You know, what's driving me is, is the ability, you know, there's a, there's an interesting thing. I was thinking about it. This is kind of a balance that works for me, might not work for everybody, right? You know, like, you know, you got to do the work that you respect. So I'm thinking, do I like what I do? I like what I do. I honestly like what I do after all these years, right? And it makes me smile most of the time. And, you know, I can, I can go back, I can go to sleep and I can say, you know, I, I did a good job. That's important to me, right? Then you want to make some money. So what's, you know, what's money? Like you can't take it with you, but you can fund your bills. You can pay your kids. I, ho- I have a bunch of kids. They're all great kids. How many kids, Dimitri? Well, I, I got uh, four kids of my own and one through a marriage and a bunch of grandchildren. And you know what? Somebody asked me, you know, one of the questions in the Dan Martell's uh, uh, academy meeting was, you know, what's your ideal exit, right? My ideal exit is to leave as much money as possible to my progeny to give them an unfair advantage in life and to teach them what to do with it. Yep. Well, I love that. Talk to me more about how you're doing that, right? So so obviously a key thing about growing and scaling this without, I assume you have not raised outside capital, right? No. So bootstrap, which we love. Does that mean you're profitable today? I'm profitable. I've got a probably about six months worth of run rate in, in cash because I'm I'm actually waiting for the sky to fall to be honest well what does that mean so if you're profitable you wouldn't be able to calculate six months of runway because you have infinite runway because you're profitable no i I have infinite runway i meant spend uh your total expenses if you have no revenue your total what are your total expenses per month like 50 60 100k no what is it 150 right now okay where do you spend most of that money salaries (laughs) engineering most of it is engineering. We're still built as an engineering company, although now that's changing. It's going to be bringing on more front end. Mm-hmm. We've been, you know, resilience to me is this kind of a combination of product. Like you've got to have a good product or else what are you selling, right? Just smoke and mirrors. You've got to have reputation. We have excellent reputation in our market. Like I, 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 I liken it as being the vendor of last resort. You can try Oracle. And when you, when you break your teeth, come to us, we'll solve your problem. You can try somebody else. When you break your teeth, come to us. We actually do solve their problem. I don't have any angry customers. Not a single one of them is angry. No, Dimitri, we, we love that. So just to be clear though, so you're spending $150,000 per month in total spend. If you've got six months of total spend in your bank, that means you've got about a million cash in the bank, which you saved up from profits over time. I don't have, no, no, no. That's not the way it works. I, I'm keeping about 600 grand in, a, in cash. Yep. And the reason for that is if, if the sky starts falling, I'll shed some of the expenses. Yep. Yep. Right? That's a good way. That's a good way to do it. Um, you didn't answer my question about growth. How, how do you go from 80 customers to 90 customers? Where are you finding them? So, uh, we've been traditionally selling, uh, based on reputation, uh, price, 
And, uh, you know, in hard times, people tend to flock to that. Well, try, try to be specific. I mean, reputation is very generic. You know, when a customer oh, closes exactly. and when a customer closes and pays you and you do a good job for them, do you send them a specific email script saying, hey, can you recommend one friend if you're happy? Like, how do you actually drive reputational inbound? Uh, sometimes I just ask them if they can recommend somebody. Sometimes they, I just, we basically have enough of them that they, they bring people to us. I've started doing a couple of things lately that I think are really working well. We're starting to work with some college programs. So we're going to give them the software to teach the discipline using our software. Um, I've started doing analyst uh, uh, briefings, which we I didn't do before. Uh, that seems to be driving, you know, leads. I started posting sort of kind of interesting things on LinkedIn more that all of a sudden, you know, I, I post a couple of times with, you know, in-depth and I start getting inquiries from people that I've never heard from before. So I think for us, the driver is increasing mindshare, if that makes sense, right? And, uh, you know, I, my next challenge is to go exactly from reputational selling to more willful selling. I mean, and Dimitri, I think, on that note, tell me about the team you have around you. How many full-time? I've got 16 people full-time. How many of the 16 are engineers? Seven, well, six, six are engineers and seven are QA. And there's myself and a couple of customer success people. Any, any sales reps besides yourself? No. I love that, Dimitri. Well, hey, listen, we're out of time for today. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, what's my favorite business? Uh, what is it? Eat the big fish, I think. It's All right. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? No. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Ant? What's my favorite online? Excel. Excel? Excel. Okay. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Seven. Seven. And then uh, situation, married, single. We already know you have five kiddos, right? Five kiddos, married. Um, I've been really lucky. With, you know, That's great. And how old are you, Dimitri? I'm 60. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20 years old. How to do the same things I'm doing, but faster. <laughs> Guys, AntUSA.com was launched to help retailers manage SKUs and inventory back in 1993 as an agency. He launched the SaaS platform, just uh, call it uh, 2019, now today doing $200,000 a month in revenue, of which 160000 of that is true recurring. The other sort of one-time services that turn into recurring over time. He's serving 80 customers to help them manage, again, their inventory. There are thousands of SKUs. There are millions of different combinations to make sure that they can keep making money like he's doing. He's profiting, call it, Fifty-ish thousand dollars per month in revenue, completely bootstrapped with a team of sixteen. Got a great war chest, six hundred thousand cash in the bank, and his total expenses every month is just one hundred fifty thousand bucks, much less than his revenue. This is the kind of founder we love, Dimitri. Thanks for taking us to the top. My pleasure. Nice to talk to you.